views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Find it all at the mall. Sky High Plaza has stores to meet your every... You know, my search would go a lot quicker if you would um, give me a hand. Can Q-Ball help? Oh, no, he's having a dinner with uh, Kelly Wells. This is becoming a bit of an obsession, isn't it? It's only commercials. Shh. Shh. doing? Look, why would you care anyway? Mr. Brown, I do care. That is enough. Look, maybe I'll help you tomorrow. Right now, I've got to do this, okay? I'm making a gift list. Sure. Thank you. Hey, hold up, cue ball. No peeking, man. This was for you. What is all this stuff? Gifts for you guys? You know what they say. Gifts shows how much you love someone, huh? Remy, something's going on with you, man. Trust me, you don't love us this much. Wait a minute. That's 14. 14. I only got 10 gifts away. What was I thinking? Where's the credit card? There it is. It's a good thing the plaza store's open all night, huh? Excuse me. Uh, Remy, you do not have to buy Wade another gift. Trust me. Oh, so now you're going to tell me whether or not I can buy gifts for you guys? Come on, man. Seriously. Last time I'm telling you, now move. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, May 31st, 2012. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Bond. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we'll be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Well, for some people, Robert, shopping is an obsession. I'm not one of them. Usually, I think, because I'm shopping for routine necessities or shopping for somebody else. How often do I really go shopping for myself, you know? And yet, I found myself in the midst of one of Ontario's most volatile and emotional political debates, which we're going to celebrate today, and that is the whole issue of Sunday shopping. Despite all the assumed evils of commercialism by the left, this Sunday... June 3rd marks the 20th anniversary of legalized Sunday shopping in Ontario. It was Bob Ray, NDP, bowing to public pressure, who announced on Wednesday, June 3rd, 1988, that from that date on, no retailer would be charged for opening his or her store on a Sunday, and everyone was open on the very next Sunday after that. And even though Sunday shopping is legal in Ontario today, it's still an issue that'll never die because Sunday shopping is not just a single issue. Like the abortion debate, the two most polarized interests on the issue will always keep campaigning, as they should if they truly believe, you know, in what they believe in as being right. So welcome to the show today, where our subject today will be Sunday shopping. And we'll be taking a look at Sunday shopping as our Exhibit A in a most valuable lesson in philosophy and in politics. You can call us at 519-661-3600 to join the conversation. You can always email us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. So, Robert, in commemoration of our 20th anniversary of Sunday shopping in Ontario, half of the show today 
we'll be featuring some highlights of a previous broadcast made right here on CHRW. Believe it or not, on June the 10th, 1988. 24 years ago, and almost exactly four years before Sunday shopping was legalized across the board in Ontario. It's, ama- it's, you know, it's an amazing record offering us insight into an issue we can now view with very accurate retrospect. We have an unfair advantage, I guess, today in 2012, being able to look back in time to a debate that took place in 1988 and to make judgments about the relative accuracies of any predictions that were being made back then. I suppose uh, just as future listeners to this show today will be able to do the same about any predictions we might make today. And again, today's focus begins with none other than Mark Emery, one of a handful of key advocates for Sunday shopping who was demonstrably instrumental in the changing of that law in Ontario. Other key players included then-Toronto Furrier Paul Magder, who was fighting the law through the courts, the Freedom Party of Ontario, of course, that was campaigning on the issue during provincial elections, and of course, yours truly, who basically framed the public and political debate for all those mentioned under the banner of Freedom Party. There were one or two other uh, bookstore person involved, I think, who had a lawsuit going, but there were a couple of other small players, and it all worked out to bring Sunday shopping to Ontario. I happen to be the guy that wrote Freedom Party's uh, full-page ads that appeared in papers around the province, including the London Free Press at the time, and wrote a corresponding piece of literature explaining why Sunday shopping prohibition was both wrong in principle and in practice. You can see all of this stuff for yourself by checking it out on Freedom Party's online archive at www.freedomparty.on.ca. Now, specifically though, on that website, look hmm. for... Freedom Flyer issues number 10 and 13, they deal okay. with it in detail. It's in the back issues in the archives, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back in the days of the Sunday shopping debate, uh, which, around 1988, Mark Emery was Freedom Party's action director at that time. And he was also an independent businessman who uh, started City Lights Bookshop, which still operates today on Richmond Street here in London. And I suppose if you had suggested to anyone in those days that this person would one day become the future prince of pot of all things i think you might have been labeled crazy you know no way that mark emery would ever be that you know well today it is may 31st 2012 and mark emery the prince of pot is due to be released from his american prison on july the 9th 2014 and according to the national post on april 29th 2012 um, emery quote could be free as early as next year if ottawa allows him to be transferred back to canada On his return to B.C., he plans to have a big welcome back bash outside the Vancouver Art Gallery, followed by a world tour with Jody, including stops in Jamaica and in Italy. As for his career future, he says he'll finish the autobiography he's he's writing and try to become a radio talk show host, a job he used to do back in his hometown of London, Ontario. At this very station. At this very (laughs) station right here in this very room. One of the, and this is them. This is the post quoting Emery. One of the problems of the so-called entertainment right-wing radio sh- shows I hear on many AM and FM channels here, and by here he means in Mississippi or at least in the states, is that they don't respect facts or balance. The discussion is all one-sided and often just derision, insult, and taking a circul- and talking in a circular manner. He said, "I believe I can provoke, but I still welcome all sides in a discussion." I wonder if all that sticks with what we're going to hear today. Like it or not, in other words, says the Post, you'll be hearing a lot more from Emery, whatever band or bandwagon he is heading. 
Uh, the national post writer in this case was a guy named John Ferry, who described his personal one-on-one visit with Emery thusly. Quote, My prison visit, which Emery says is the first by any journalist in the two years since he's been locked up in the U.S., was not easy to arrange. And I wasn't allowed to bring in a pen, a notepad, a tape recorder, or any other reporting tools. But what really surprised me was how tanned and fit Emery looked, and how he's fitting well into prison life as the only Canadian among 1,700 mostly black inmates, many of them serving what appear to be cruelly long sentences for crack cocaine and other drug offenses. Quote, I have never had an unkind word spoken to me by any inmate in two years, said Emery. Coming from outside with no cultural baggage obviously helps, as it does for former newspaper publisher Conrad Black, another Canadian celebrity who's been doing hard time in the U.S. South. End quote. Now, speaking of Conrad Black, Peter Worthington in the pages of the London Free Press this past Monday on the 28th wrote this interesting observation about Conrad Black's first public appearance since he's been back in Canada. And I think there's something here to be learned about what might happen when Mark Emery comes back. Yes, just wait. Yeah. (laughs) Quote, Last week, Conrad Black made his first public appearance since returning to Canada after being released as, to quote him, a guest of the American prison system. The occasion was the first anniversary party thrown by HuffingtonPost.ca, for which he has been a Marquet blogger during the past year. One hesitates to guess what was on Conrad's mind as he walked up to the Toronto Street to the journalistic offices of HuffPo and AOL. Would he be shunned? Would he be welcomed or ignored? I watched as Conrad entered the HuffPo offices and it seemed he was uncertain of his reception and was braced for whatever it might be. His wife, Barbara Emile, was not with him, so he was on his own. Whatever concerns he may have had evaporated immediately. He was an instant rock star. And surrounded by people who were curious, friendly, non-judgmental, and eager to both chat with him and be photographed with him. It must have been reassuring because those in attendance were ordinary folk, a mixture of journalists, artists, advertising, and working folks. Fussed over as he was, I quipped that he was now entering the rock star phase of his life, so get used to it. He recalled when I visited him in his prison in Florida that I'd mentioned he was more popular, or at least better known, now than he had been before his travails. Quote, and it seems you were right, end quote. So there's a little bit of an interesting insight of what could be happening. When Mark gets out of prison, it'll be like Jesus being raised from the well, dead and going to heaven. You I'm know, telling you, that there'll be nothing stopping that guy. The point to be made, yes, is to, is to project how Conrad Black's stay in an American prison will have increased his public profile and give him some power and leverage, right? So, too, I think that's what's going to happen when Mark Emery returns to Canada. In addition to what we've already heard from the National Post there, there's already, I know, happen to know, a theater release movie documentary being made about Mark. I happen to know because I, I'm in it. <laughs> Surrounded by a bunch of stuffed white tigers. I just, I'm, I'm freaking out to see what that's going to look like. And uh, after having met Jody Emery for the first time only three and a half weeks ago in Toronto, I heard some rumors that um, this film was due to be released either later this year or early next year. It's going to be in the theaters. It's a film produced by Vancouver producer Roger Larry, who has some credits to his name. And, uh, you know, talk about a small world department. This is really funny. The CHRW connections today are amazing. One of the people on his filming crew on the afternoon in 2011 when they shot the footage with me here in London happened to be Tafsir Diallo. Remember him? Who was our operator on the show just right, just a couple of years ago, back before graduating from the university mm-hmm. here. 
So a small world department. You know, he he left here to go to Japan, and then left Japan just a week before the the terrible tsunami and you know and all that, and showed up in Vancouver. Next thing I know, he's back in London and he's on a film crew, which is really weird. And I'm in the film. That's just too strange. But um, in any case, what makes our show and our topic today seem almost a bit hauntingly coincidental, if you're the superstitious type, is the central role and contact point that this radio station, CHRW, has played in bringing all of the concerned parties together and to make it possible to have a record of the history of this debate going back two and a half decades. So, shall we get started? Well, just before we do, Mm -hmm. I'd like to put into the minds of the listeners this one thing, and that is the only reason that you have Sunday shopping today is because of the efforts of primarily Mark Emery and Bob Metz and the Freedom Party of Ontario. Oh, that's very I don't good. think it would have happened without uh, their efforts. I'd like to believe that, and it's probably true, but how, it's not something you can ever prove with any definitive no. case because, of course, the politicians in power will always take the credit for it. Now, the debate we're about to hear took place very likely in this very room that we're sitting in, Robert, on Friday, June the 10th, 1988, from which it was broadcast, uh, you know, 24 years ago. And again, that's four years before Sunday shopping would become a fact in Ontario. Now, earlier that day, that same day, I had to get up early in the morning to go down to the London Middlesex Detention Center to get Mark Emery out of jail, who had just served four days and three nights over Sunday shopping laws. And, um, Basically, I went there. You'll, you'll hear it referred to as being bailed out in the interview, but really he was, he was paying off his fine, the balance of it, which was collected on his behalf by his customers. So he didn't pay it. His customers paid it, which, which was rather symbolic, wasn't didn't it? Didn't you bring in a whole big jar of coins and stuff? I think I had to do something like that. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> strange going in there with that. So uh, in any case, that was how we got out. I got him out that morning, and uh, CHRW host uh, Mario Cercelli back in 1988 uh, led the debate. And, you know, this debate could just as easily have taken place today because the same arguments are used for almost every debate that concerns freedom and government controls. So this is just the first few minutes to start off, and then Robert and I will return every once in a while with our comments on what we've just heard. So let us begin, going back to 1988. I'm Mario Cercelli, and uh, Sunday shopping has become an issue for everyone in Ontario since the Solicitor General, Joan Smith, decided to leave it up to the municipalities to decide on their own. I'm joined in the studio today by City Controller Orlando Sampronia, local retailer Mark Emery, John Corvin, salesman for a local furniture outlet, and we'll be patching in by telephone with Mark Silverthorne of the Coalition Against Sunday Shopping. I guess we might as well kick the ball right off the start. And, uh, Mr. Emery, what's wrong with Sunday shopping? Well, of course, I don't think there's anything wrong with Sunday shopping. You see, when my business opens on Sunday, it's not to deal with any kind of third party at all. It's a consenting operation, peaceful, honest, between myself, my employees, and my customers. Of course, in a free society, which is supposedly the ideal of Canada, uh, people are permitted to do with, they, with their property, with their life as they want, insofar as they don't, you know, uh, coerce or draw harm to others. And, of course, I believe Sunday shopping is not only inevitable, but uh, quite, quite much my right to offer my services on a Sunday, and uh, peacefully and honestly. And the fact that I've had to go to jail 
to demonstrate this indicates, in fact, how few freedoms we have in this country. And incidentally, I'd like to mention that uh, Mark Emery was actually bailed out of jail just to be a part of this program here this morning at CHRW. Mr. Silverthorne, are you with us? Uh, yes, I am. You heard what Mark Emery had to say. What's the coalition's position? Well, we, we believe that uh, as a society it's important that we balance the interests of consumers to have reasonable shopping hours and the interests of, of retailers and retail workers to have quality time off with their families. Mr. Emery may feel that it's his right to, to open whenever he wants, um, but the, f the freedom for one retailer to open uh, forces other retailers to open in, in order to remain competitive. Um, as, far as, as far as breaking the law and going to jail, um, if, if everybody who disagreed with the law uh, broke the law, we'd have total anarchy. So I think the fact that, the fact that someone is prepared to break the law uh, certainly doesn't uh, necessarily mean that uh, there's something wrong with the law. And uh, if, if someone breaks the law, they, they, they should uh, you know, be fined or, or, or in prison. Well, Mr. S uh, Silverthorne, there's some people who feel that uh, perhaps you shouldn't have any regard for, let's say, a bad law. Well, it, it's interesting. The most recent uh, Gallup poll shows that 57% of Ontarians are opposed to wide-open Sunday shopping, and only 30% are in favor of wide-open Sunday shopping. If you look at the by-election in London North, Certainly, Sunday shopping was a, was a major issue. So I don't think there's any question that in, in London, a majority of people are opposed to, to uh, wide-open Sunday shopping. Sunday shopping is more than just a single issue. Hello, I'm Barry Malcolm, your Freedom Party candidate in London North. If you support individual choice, self-responsibility, free enterprise, private property, and laws that apply equally to all, then you've got five great reasons to support freedom of choice in Sunday shopping, and five great reasons to support Freedom Party. Make freedom of choice your choice now. On March 31st, vote Barry Malcolm. This has been a paid political announcement. Oh, yes, the good old days. It brings back memories, I tell you. <laughs> but, you know, there were some of the issues that were basically involved in the Sunday shopping debate. Individual choice, self-responsibility, free enterprise, private property, and laws that apply equally to all. And at all times of day, we could add, okay? <laughs> and um, But there we heard just the first salvo of all the basic arguments, you know. Um, I, we're not here to pick on the people that are making these arguments either. Let's And, and it should be clear, because the debate's going to get kind of heated later on in the show. And you might think that these people are like enemies or something when they're out in the public, but this was just not the case. Everyone got along with everyone, you know. Of course, it's their ideas yes. that are under discussion. And they all knew each other pretty well, so don't be too worried about what you're going to hear I later I understood on. that Merrick and Orlando actually got along Oh, they did. Well. Oh, yes. And Orlando, <laughs> we should point out, Orlando's part of this debate, um was very supportive of many things that we did mm -hmm. through the London Middlesex Taxpayers was, Coalition. Uh, and a controller at the time, yes. I think. Yeah. And um, so let's not get that issue confused. But when it came to Sunday shopping, my, my goodness, we, people like you and I certainly didn't see eye to eye with anyone who could define himself as a conservative. Oh, no. As a matter of fact, it was the conservatives who were adamantly yes. opposed to it. Remember all, all, the National Citizens were, Coalition. Yeah. National Citizens Coalition totally opposed to everything right. they were doing on that issue. Now, you know, you listen to these arguments, we balance the interest of consumers 
with the interests of retailers. Well, you don't balance interests. You either serve it or you don't. If you want to stay home, you stay home. And what they, of course, what they mean is there's no balance at heart. They're talking about using force through law. That's not balancing. Mark makes a great point, and he tries to pin the, the um, his detractors down by saying it's not a matter of uh, black and white necessarily, or gray. It's a matter of right and wrong. Well, that's what black and white is, right? In that sense. Well, or you'll hear later on yeah. that Orlando says, well, you're just black and white, yeah. and everything is gray in this world. Yeah, well, that's, well uh, he doesn't come out and say it, but there's a line in another movie mm-hmm. about... Uh, um, clear and present danger, I think. He says, not black and white, right and wrong. And I think that's perfectly appropriate for this particular discussion. Well, maybe. But that's what the term means. It always meant, you know, choosing between right and wrong. But again, you know, you hear things like the freedom of one retailer forces the other retailers to open to remain competitive. Now, that's an issue that they deny. You'll hear them denying it back and forth. When they don't want to talk about the competitive issue, they switch to quality of life. No, and they actually turn it around and say Mark Emery is the one using force well, on other people. You're yeah. forcing people to work. You're forcing people to shop, they actually say. Yeah. Absolutely bizarre. And if everyone who disagreed with the law broke the law, we'd have total anarchy. <laughs> well, they do break the law, and we don't have total anarchy, although some people might think so. Speed limits are an example where everybody breaks the law. Do we have anarchy? I wouldn't say so. We just have traffic moving at 120 instead of 100. You know what's fascinating <laughs> you know? about this discussion are all of the um, argument fallacies that are brought forward by Mark's detractors. And the only one I don't think that they mentioned was the argument, argumentum ad Hitlerium, or Hitlerium, <laughs> which is the, the appeal one. to Hitler. Well, they didn't get that far. Maybe if you'd given them another hour or so, yeah. they would have gotten But they there. talked about um, it being right because 57% of the people don't want it, so therefore you shouldn't do it. Which is what Merrick was trying to say, is that that doesn't matter. Well, that's true. You know, the, 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 so Mr. Silverthorne, the, the, the salesman there, was saying, you know, that the majority shouldn't... Like, he, he was asked, literally, what do you do with a bad law? Well, he never answered that question. What he answered, what he said was the, enjo- the majority should be invoked to uphold bad laws. That's basically what he was saying. Mm-hmm. He didn't actually answer the question, what do you do when faced with a, a bad law or an evil law, like the Germans were faced with during, speaking of the Hitler issue, yeah, go, yes. right? But they, they probably said, well, the majority wants it, right? And, <laughs> and, and you know, he says that uh, a majority of Ontarians were opposed to wide-open Sunday shopping, as indicated in the recent 1988 London North by-election. And he says Sunday shopping was a big issue then. Well, I'm going, oh, really? Who made it a big issue? All of the three red parties were opposed to Sunday shopping, particularly the progressive conservatives. So who made it an issue in the by-election? That was Freedom Party. The only party to even run television ads during that election, I remember. So if he was suggesting that Sunday shopping was proven to be unpopular because Freedom Party didn't get elected, boy, he was off off the mark by light years, especially when given the reality of the situation today. And if, as he said, the majority were so opposed, then why did Bob Ray, then NDP Premier of the, prom- uh, of the province, four years later actually, a complete red and completely opposed to Sunday shopping, relent to what he called the public pressure on the issue? Obviously, it was there, and even the lefties understood it and knew that they couldn't stay in power unless they paid heed to it. So, let's continue our debate, and uh, we'll be back after this and actually the break at the bottom of the hour so we'll be back in about oh 10 minutes or so see you then okay let's uh let's bring uh controller sampronia in on this going back to the uh the genesis of this do you feel that sunday shopping is should be in the realm of the municipalities well i think it's going to be brought into our realm whether we like it or not um 
Up to now, the rules and the le legislation has been prepared for by the province of Ontario under old uh, constitutional agreements. It is now going to be uh, given a five-year uh, leave to implement or otherwise uh, get out of the issue and let the province uh, uh, dictate as uh, pretty much as we have it right now. Uh, I think it's going to create a little bit of confusion. In the ultimate analysis, I, I can see the issue coming just the same as uh, fluoride or a few other items that were left to local municipalities and little by little it will spread across the province. Well, people are comparing this to the introduction of fluoride and such. So are you saying that this is something that over the time will e eventually be introduced and be socialized and it'll just become a part of society here? Well, I happen to think that's rather inevitable. It'll take a long time, however, for patterns to change in Ontario. We're not quick to change. How do you re reply to that, Mark Emery? Well, with politicians like Mr. Zamproni, you're sure right we're not quick to change. Uh, all I can say is that both callers, or both uh, guests, have completely put the, the whims, the preferences of the majority over the proper and individual rights of, of single citizens and, and consumers and business people. And it's appalling that these Well, I'd like to stop you right there for a sec. Are we talking about the majority? What about those who say Sunday shopping is going to increase prices anywhere between 7 to 15%. First of all, it's not true, but it doesn't even matter. First of all, the majority should never be the criteria for any law. Just because the majority wants something does not make it right or wrong. The whole law should be based on whether something is right or wrong. If only 1% of businesses want to open and 1% want to shop, then that is it. They should be allowed to open. That's what a free society is all about. When business people talk about being forced to open because their competitors are, all they're acknowledging is that their consumers want to shop on Sunday and they don't want to provide the service. So rather than let others do it, they want laws to shut people down. That's appalling. That's self-serving and it's really disgusting that people, business people and politicians would advocate such a thing. Mr. Silverthorne, how do you reply to that? Is, a ma is it a matter of principle or... Or are we talking about a, mi a majority-minority type of problem here? Well, the, the key thing is, is the, the quality of life issue. Um, I, I represent um, 800 hardware and lumber supply dealers across Ontario. Uh, most of the vast majority of these people work six days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day. If their competitors are, op uh, are open on Sundays, then they'll be forced to open. And they'll, be, they'll have to work seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day. And, and that's just... I mean, I don't think slaves uh, work that, that length of hours. Don't cry me a river. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mr. Sampronia, like, there's no doubt that with uh, the addition of, a, of an extra retail day, services are going to have to be uh, imposed. We're, we're going to need our, our police facilities beefed up in order to, to police things like that. And uh, taxes are going to increase. How do you reply to that? Well, there will be an added expense to our society, and we must remember we have a finite uh, level of uh, facilities and resources to support our society. And if we go beyond that, we do two things. We either poison our, our um, atmosphere and our earth, or, uh, or we uh, accept a lower standard of living. And there is really no escape to that. We have a finite uh, resource system in our, in, uh, in our country and the rest of the world. So there will be uh, some change to our society. Much as Mark Emery wants to uh, apply himself to the individualist rule, we know that we walked out of the jungle many, many years ago, and there have been rules to protect Some of society. us are still there. Well, good for you, and I hope you enjoyed it. It's better than jail, <laughs> by the way. 
Okay, let's let's bring in uh, Mr. Corbin here. There seems to be a slight inconsistency. Mark Emery is, um, if we can say, Mark, uh, on behalf of the retailer. Yet we have Mr. Corbin here who works for uh, a large furniture retail outlet, and he's opposed to Sunday shopping. Mr. Corbin, what what are your feelings on this? Uh, may I start by just addressing Mark Emery? I don't think we confuse democracy with total freedom. We've got to remember that democracy is freedom under the laws that the people have made and the people have made these laws um, uh, for instance let's say a driver can't go 80 miles an hour on the 401 even if there's no traffic uh, a child up to the age of 16 has to go to school are we infringing on his his freedoms we have to have some kind of laws to control the society um, by allowing one store in london to open within no time the whole city's going to open just the fact they have to protect their market shares I haven't seen a necessity for Sunday shopping. Our stores open 9 to 9. Uh, White Oaks, I know, is open 10 to 10. Their grocery stores open 24 hours a day. There is just no need for it. Uh, maybe in a tourist area where 80% of their business is tourism, uh, like Grand Bend to Wasega Beach, and small stores being open, that may have a point. But uh, to open a big city, to me, is ridiculous. Okay, so Mr. Corbin's saying there's no need for an extra shopping day. Well, let him stay closed. I mean, it's so hypocritical. He wants all the benefits of his own decision. Yeah, but that's, that's easy to say, let him stay closed. But the thing is, we do have the domino effect. So one place opens, and the rest have to follow suit. Are you telling me that when Max Milk opens 24 hours a day, I have to open 24 hours a day, or I'll lose business? Are you saying that people who open, who close Monday... You know, there are a lot of stores that still close Monday and Wednesday. Oh, well, should I close Monday and Wednesday? Do The whole idea of a free economy and free enterprise means everybody sets their own standard of their own business, how to serve their customers best. If serving my customers best includes opening on Sunday, then every other businessman can go to blazes. I don't give a toot. It's not my job to worry about whether Patton's employees or their business is going to survive or fall on Sundays. I'm worried about my customers. After all, is there anybody out there that wants me to serve somebody other than my customers? Isn't that why City Lights is there? Well, I, I somewhat agree with you, but don't you agree that we have to draw a line? There's, there's a thin line between uh, individual rights and anarchy. No, there isn't. I'll tell you, that what, we're, what we should all want in this room, and I'm appalled that I'm the only one that wants it, is we should have all laws based on right and wrong. What is ethical and proper versus what is immoral and wrong. What I'm saying is we should have laws that protect individuals to exercise their property peacefully and honestly, which is what I'm doing. The, all the other three guests want restrictive controls just to give certain sectors of society a preferential benefit, an unearned benefit over others. And I, you know, I, I won't let them legitimize it. What they're asking for is special privilege, and that's as low and as sleazy as it sounds. Okay, before we have to scrape uh, controller Sampronia off the ceiling, you look like you want to jump in there, Mr. Sampronia. Well, I think Mr. Emery and his youthful exuberance uh, identifies with the uh, principle of everything is either black or white. Unfortunately, we learned that uh, there's uh, various shades of gray in our society, and we have a variety of attitudes that we have to cope with, and it's not fair to uh, mark everybody in two lines. Really, we have a very diverse society, and we have to accommodate for that. And I don't know any other way but to accommodate with a variety of rules and laws. Certainly, the less laws there are, the better, and I would agree with that point. But if we have to go and, uh, and do these things, we sure at least have to give guidelines as to what expected and what is norm. 
Okay, then, on, on that uh, train of thought, then, maybe we should begin to zero in. Are we talking wide open shopping or limited shopping, Mark Emery? Well, you know, we already have a lot of businesses that are open Sunday and 24 hours a day. That doesn't mean everybody will act identically. You know, I'm saying that whatever the customer wants, he gets. After all, what is the prob- What is the purpose of a retail business other than but to serve the marketplace? Yeah, but somehow that doesn't sit with me. If, if the customer wants topless uh, salespeople, are you going to give them that? Not me, but I'm sure there would be a business that would. Right. I mean, that's what the marketplace is there for. In a free society, supply and demand, the marketplace. Now, I'm not saying we do anything dishonest or unethical. I'm not advocating that. I'm saying that within... Uh, the property owned by an owner as long as it's run safely, honestly and that the employees consent to this or that there are people in the marketplace willing to work for it and there are clients who want it and are willing to pay for it, that's the job of a retail outlet. We have no other customers I don't serve the people of Toronto or Windsor or Orlando Zamproni he's never been into my bookstore, the gentleman at Panzer has never been to my bookstore, so I don't their opinions are irrelevant and should be irrelevant in a free society where, since we have, as Mr. Zamproni pointed out, a multicultural community with thousands of different races and religions and individuals, all who have different views on what ought to be. We have to tolerate all of them, well, not just pick the majority. I have a problem with that. For, for someone who, who's trying to uphold the individual, you're, you're, you're saying right now that the opinion of Mr. Samproni and Mr. Corvin are irrelevant. That seems to be a contradiction No, it's quite relevant to themselves. Mr. Samproni certainly has the right not to shop on Sunday at my store if I'm open or if anybody's open, as Mr. The employee at Patton's ha- place has the right not to work on, on Sunday. See, what they're all afraid of is competition. Employees who don't want to work on Sunday are afraid somebody will take their job away from them who does work on Sunday. Well, tough titty. That's what the marketplace is all about. And it's not just free market with retail. It's free market for employees, free market for products, goods, and thankfully, even politicians. Mr. Silverthorne, is that what we're worried about, competition? No, it's, it's a quality of life uh, issue. When, when you look at, uh, there's a large number of retail workers in Ontario, I think it's close to half a million. These people are, are basically non-unionized, often at the lower end of the social scale, and they're not in a position to be able to negotiate to have Sundays off. Okay. Welcome back to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, and we're celebrating, in one sense of the word, the 20th anniversary of Sunday shopping in Ontario. And for those Which is of this you, Sunday. Yes. yes. Yeah, June 3rd. And for those of you out there young enough not to remember this, there was a day way back in the before time that you could not <laughs> shop on Sundays, except for certain stores like bookstores, as long as their square footage was not more than so many feet and a number of employees that didn't exceed so many people, and it was a complete and utter disgrace in a free country not to be able to do such a thing. But today, thanks to the efforts of Mark Emery, Bob Metz, and a host of other people like Paul Magda, the Furrier in Toronto, who challenged those stupid laws, we now have the freedom to shop seven days of the week as most of us obviously out there want. And what you're listening to are a number of clips broadcast from CHRW back in June of 1988. And the participants in these debates were Mario Cicelli, who uh, hosted the event, uh, Controller Orlando Zampronia, John Corbin of Patton's Place, Mark Silverthorne of the Coalition Against Sunday Shopping, and, of course, Mark Emery, also known as the Prince of Pot, but if you Not want then. funny. No, no, no. Not then. As a matter of fact, he was a bookstore owner, Freedom Party guy, who uh, championed 
this particular cause and was successful. And then he moved on to another area of our personal freedom, and that is cannabis prohibition, which of course is ongoing, and as Orlando Sambronia probably alluded to, will eventually, it's inevitable that it will be won. Which is Especially what Mark's if, saying from his jail cell in the States now, too. Yes. Even the people who prosecuted him have changed their sides on the issue. That's amazing. That is the thing. Yeah. yeah. But I think that the United States have to be on side of because Canada did it unilaterally be very difficult. But anyway, we have more clips coming up. Well, more, not just a clip, but a whole 15-minute run here. Yeah, we have and about, then we'll just wrap up. We have a 15-minute clip here of, of the uh, discussion between those participants with Mark Emery about Sunday shopping. And I'd, I'd just like to... Uh, have the listeners think out there about the debates that are going on in this particular clip because Mark Emery has proven right and all of the arguments that were brought up against Sunday shopping have been proven wrong. The economic arguments, the quality of life arguments, absolutely wrong and just consider that when you listen to these clips. There, there are people who are saying that there is not going to be an increase in, in uh, business. It, it, all Sunday shopping is going to do is spread six, da- or six days of shopping over seven. First of all, that's illogical. If that were true, we may as well close six days. We can open one day because it would be the same amount of business, right? We all need to eat. The, pr- the fact is no law should be passed on the basis of whether people are going to make money or not. But law should be passed on whether it's right or wrong to allow people to exercise their own judgment with their own property. And that's the only issue. Whether people make money is no one's concern. I mean, after all, can you imagine if the government was actively pursuing laws that permitted people to make money? That'd be called corruption and bribery. You know, so that's how I regard this. Uh, Just because a business may not make money by opening Sunday and that he can influence the law to that, to me, is collusion, corruption, and bribery. To me, it doesn't, that's irrelevant. If a guy loses his shirt, too bad. As it turns out, I'm there to serve my customers. Just like a 24-hour business certainly doesn't make money between uh, midnight and 8 o'clock. You can't say Max Milk Source are making a killing between midnight and 8, but they do it for the goodwill, knowing that those people will come back on other days and other times. And, of course, any smart business person knows this. Obviously, I'm the only one here. Well, I'm having problems with, with your rationale because you're supposed, as I said, earlier, you're supposed to be upholding the the rights of the individual, and yet you're saying competition, competition, if someone can't compete, can't cope, too bad. Orlando Sampronia. Well, I think that the rights of the individual are there to be protected, and I accept that argument. However, there are many individuals in our society, and they're not just the owner or retailer. They're individuals who are called workers. They're individuals who are called uh, shoppers, uh, homemakers. They're individuals who are called seniors and retired. And so we have to protect those rights as well. And they go beyond the ability to shop or the ability to spend money. It's also the ability of being able to plan their life and to have some some stable form of living they can look towards over the next few years. And I think what's being promoted here is some very unstable uh, type of economic forces which would uh, grind everybody down. And I I just don't support that. Mark Emery, please, you look like you want to say something. Well, it, you know, I've just been listening to Mr. Zampronia wheeze on about uh, balancing the rights. He said he believes in, in protecting the rights of the individual, which just blows me away. And then he goes on about how all, you know, in, in various double talk about how we have to restrict the rights of the individual. I mean, it's typical politician. They want to appear like they're supporting both sides so they can get the 100% voter out there. And it's just appalling. You either support individual rights or you support... Well, that is really throwing the bovine excrement a little heavy, Mark. I'm sorry. And it's starting to stick to the walls. So why don't you settle down just a touch and realize that you do have rights, but you also have uh, some levels of controls. Our society does need control, so cut it out. Yeah, but I, I just don't appreciate the hypocrisy by well, you saying you support individual rights. 
I don't appreciate you throwing the bovine. That doesn't make it untrue, I'm afraid. Okay, gentlemen, please. Mr. Corvin, has uh, what are your feelings concerning your business? How is uh, the extra day going to affect your business in furniture? Well, for one reason, being on a commission basis, if they open Sunday, you really do have to work. Any salesman knows that. I heard a call in from Toronto, a uh, uh, commission salesman in Toronto. He said that was his problem with it. He, he felt he has to work because... Like my position is, people aren't going to spend more money over the week. If you miss the day, you miss the money, and you, in this day and age, you just can't afford to take less income. Uh, what what I feel about Sunday shopping again is by allowing one store to open, like Mark to open, uh, he can't compare himself with a Beckers or a Max. He's a bookstore, so if he's next door to a bookstore and he was closed and that bookstore was open, he would want to be open just to protect his market shares. Although he may feel like not say that he's a businessman and he knows that's true. Uh, it is true. No time. All the other bookstores are open now because of me. But I don't feel bad well, about that's, that. Well, that's where you go. You force the other bookstores. Are, are bookstores not covered under the uh, Retail Business Holidays Act? Well, when we first broke the law, we weren't. And then we raised enough hell that the, the Queen's Park changed the law so bookstores could open as of mid-last year. And now all the other bookstores are open on Sunday. And I think that's great. All book buyers now have a much greater choice. And that's the only relevant concern. Whether Oxford bookshops, who I know of, who oppose opening on Sunday, so much for principle, they're open now, but they, they said they opposed it. Well, they're open, and whether they're making money doesn't even concern me in the least. Yeah, I don't care. But are they open because you're open? That's what they said. They've all said that. They well, were see, forced to open. That's just they're not the forced to open. The that's marketplace the forced them to open, and that's who you're there to serve. Don't ever say, I forced them to open. I just revealed to them that there are people who want to shop on Sunday that they previously would not acknowledge, and now they know people want to buy books on Sunday. They're open to get in on the action. People don't necessarily have to buy books Sunday. They could be buying the books Saturday. The fact you're open and forced other places to open are making people now, are causing people now to Causing buy, people to buy, buy books? books? Is well, that well that's, that's, a, that's a serious point, and we should consider that, because uh, what, what he's saying is that it's the domino effect, and, and I think that's what, uh, Mr. Silverthorne, could you, could you reply to this? Is that what we're worried about, the domino effect, that one place opens up, they all open up, and we have a free-for-all on that seventh day. Well, there's no question that by, by the, when the province gives uh, the authority for regulating Sunday retailing to municipalities, that there will be a domino effect that, that when uh, retailers in one community open up, that they will steal business from retailers in neighboring communities, and, and those retailers uh, will, will demand to open up on Sundays. And that's exactly what happened in British Columbia. They brought in the municipal option about six or seven years ago, and virtually all of British Columbia... Uh, is, is wide open Sunday shopping. Hey. <laughs> okay, Mr. Sampronia. Well, I, you know, I, I still think that that's rather inevitable. The uh, legislation which is being proposed has a five-year leave for municipalities to introduce the local option. Otherwise, we'll go pro province-wide as set out, which is basically what's doing now with a few regulations. Okay, but if I can give you an example, I think... Uh, there, the will be, there will be a domino effect, there's no doubt. And I think we can look at it immediately in the furniture industry, all the dotted uh, stores just outside the municipal boundaries. And all it takes is for one or two to open. That's basically what started uh, things in London. That one plus people coming in at Western Fair on a Saturday or a Sunday and coming up with a major program and not paying taxes. And incidentally, they're causing all the problem of disturbances, not paying for the 
for the joy of uh, setting up their retail. So Mr. Emery selling his little books is fine, and I don't really have a whole lot of problem with that. But the issue goes beyond selling of books. Okay, let's go beyond that. And one of the, one of the major uh, points that I'd like to bring up is that Mark Emery mentioned earlier of Max being opened up. Well, I've done some research, and, and what, what, uh, what I found is that these stores make up for most of the week on that Sunday because the big chains are closed. That's right. Okay, so, like, what are we talking now? Are we talking wide open shopping, or are we talking some restrictions? That's not up to me. A, a, a proper social system allows people to open and close as they will. I'd like to come to that domino effect. Remember, who pushes those dominoes? It's the consumer. Now, you know, any retailer who's not in business to serve the consumer is, is a traitor to his own occupation. And same with retail employees. You're there to serve the consumer. They come first. Not your whims, your desires, your preferences. You are there to serve them. That's how you make a living. If you're not willing to serve them, you're not going to make a good living. You can't survive in retail by saying, well, listen, my competitor is willing to do it, but I'm not so too bad. You're going to be out like a flash. And I Sorry, Mark. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mr. I, Corbin. I can't understand why then, Mark, you wouldn't be open 24 hours a day because I'm sure somewhere somebody would wander in and want to buy a book at 3 o'clock Listen, if, you, if when I get 25 people want to come at 3 in the morning, I'll be open. No doubt about it. Okay, what, I, what if you only get one person? That can't cover costs, and I, and I won't open. But that's my choice. You see, I'm open Sunday because there is people who want it. I feel it's a good service. Even if I lose money, it's worth it to me. It's, uh, we're open now till 10 o'clock at night. I mean, we just did that three weeks ago because we realized we do have the volume to justify it. And it doesn't matter whether I make more money over the long run. After all, 90% of my overhead is covered seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I, Orlando Zamponia doesn't give me my taxes back if I don't show, open on Sunday. I still pay rent 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I still pay hydro, utilities. Everything's paid for well, that, except that's the labor. Same, that's the same as the homeowner who, who uh, leaves town for a month. Precisely my point. So I'm... My overhead is hardly going up by opening 24 hours a day or by opening Sundays. And every businessman is going to look at his books, and he's going to realize that's true. Sooner or later, it's going to cost next to nothing to open up. Okay, Mr. Silverthorne, are, are we responding to uh, market demands? Mm -hmm. Well, certainly, if, 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 we, if we just did what the consumer wanted, then we would have seven-day-a-week, 24-hour-a-day shopping. Oh, but, there you go. But certainly we, we have to look at the, the rates of, of the people who work in the stores and, and, and the small retailers. That These people have a right to some quality time with their family. And Mr. Emery talks on and on about, uh, you know, his rights to open up, and that's fine. I mean, he can open six days a week. The, the, the province doesn't regulate uh, retailing uh, Monday through Saturday. But the, the province has decided that uh, is it important it's very important for there to be some quality time when, when retail workers and small retailers can spend some time with their families. Okay, Mark Emery, how do you reply to that? He's also talking about the, the rights of the individual being afforded the time to spend some, some quality time with his family. Uh, listen, people have to decide for themselves what's important to them. And if quality time with your family is important and you want to be home Sunday, then you better get out of retail because retail is going to soon be all open on Sunday. That's an inevitability. The fact, however, that it's not a right and that people like myself are being forced to go to jail because of these arbitrary laws, that's what's wrong. If people want Sunday off for sure and absolutely, then they better get out of retail. I have no sympathy for these people or these, these complacent salespeople, these complacent 
complacent business owners. They're there to serve the marketplace, and that is coming first. And if they don't want to, I wish they'd put a sign up in their store saying, our customers come second, because I think their customers would begin to realize the obvious truth that there are people like me who value their business a whole lot more. Okay, Mr. Corbin, are we responding to market demands, or should you just get out of retail? We are open 9 to 9 every, every day, 9 to 6 on Saturdays, far many hours than people need to shop. They Says don't who? need to come in to shop for furniture Says on who? Sundays. Well, I, I would think that Mr. Corbin could be somewhat of an authority well, that's concerning his furniture. That's his opinion. He wants to make it long. We don't need to be have a furniture store open 24 well, hours a day. Well, we don't need patents really place at all. Need. I mean, but we still let you open, don't we? I mean, nobody says, oh, God, if I didn't have patents place, I, I know wouldn't we have do any need furniture in my house. One moment, Mr. Emery. Allow Mr. Corbin to reply. We do need stores like Patton's Place. So I think London's very lucky to have a store like Patton's Place. And, why and the hours that? that we are open, excuse me, Mark, the hours we are open far allow the, allow the customer to uh, have a good variety of hours to come in. What, what my problem is, and, and Mark disagrees with that part, about the breakdown of the family, there are many, many people that both husbands and wives work, and Sunday may be their only day together. If we... And they can't afford not to work Sunday sometime in, in a commission basis, maybe in an hourly basis. They can't afford not to work the Sunday. You've got to remember, quality time also includes money. You have to have the money to afford things. You're going to lose money by not working Sunday. Then we, shouldn't, we just shouldn't allow it. Okay, Orlando Samproni, as a city representative, can you address quality time and the right of the individual to spend time with his family? Well, there's no doubt that we have to acknowledge that there's a social requirement for people to understand that if Sunday uh, was wide open, surely our pattern of living would change. One of the benefits of having Sunday uh, designated or Saturday for a variety of other people is to say that most people are around on that day and you can socialize. You can count on them to be available so you can gather together and do things that are other than the wide open free enterprise jungle warfare society that's being propounded over here. So that, that's a value that we have to assess very carefully and before we, th we throw it out and say, do what you want. You know, the, our society is dotted with rules and regulations to give people quality of life. For instance, the unions uh, bargain very fiercely uh, for the number of hours of work. And we can't discredit that one. That's a very large movement in our society. I can discredit it. It's, it's well, ruining our whole industrial base. Well, that's fine. But, you know, there's an awful lot of other people that uh, have uh, some needs, and they have very personal and emotional needs. And you don't want to acknowledge that. And I know a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. But there are personal and emotional needs to a human being and to his family. That's right, but they shouldn't be enshrined in law. A I'm law sorry. should apply. It isn't just money. I'm sorry, Mark. Oh, it's not you money with me either. It's, well, of course, it's it consistent. Is. One at a time, please. You said that. You said you'd only open if there was money around uh, to pay for your store, and you will open the moment there's money. That's how and I that's respond as a retailer. Exactly. But that's, that's not why the law is made. The well, law is made to protect and our individuals. Society is dotted with all kind of abuses when you start talking like that. Even now, people are talking about banks, talking about service charges. I mean, come on, Mark. Look at it. It's not just your store and your inf information and your source of, uh, and your base of, uh, of retailing. There's a whole lot of different type of retailing out there. All made up of individuals with different tastes, different preferences, who need laws to protect their individual choices, not to restrict them, which is what you're advocating. But how many laws do we institute? We only institute ones that protect peace, protect peaceful, honest activity. That's all I'm asking. You know, you guys sound like I'm advocating we allow child molesters on the street. I'm saying peaceful, honest activity ought to be permitted by law. Now, a hundred years ago, twenty years ago, that wouldn't have been considered radical. It's a real sign that our society 
by through politicians like Mr. Zamproni have deteriorated because he considers that a radical idea that peaceful, honest behavior ought to be like a special exception. We ought to have like a special consideration. Man, the, he's acting peacefully and honestly. I don't know. Maybe we better give him exemplary status or, or like pass a special law for Mark Emery because God uh, knows he's serving I, the I customers. Noticed, I noticed, Mark, that to make my point, I didn't have to go to jail. I just presented myself to uh, 200 and some odd thousand people. Well, that's because you don't have a, a point, Orlando. Run. No, that's because you are so radical that you'd rather go to jail to make your point. And incidentally, I recall you did run for election and you didn't make it. And my point was so that I... tells me that the public isn't quite in gear with your type of thinking. Oh, they may not be. That's not relevant. The majority well, is it, not I, the I criteria of lawmaking in a proper society. Well, we, we Whether something okay, is right gentlemen, is please, relevant. one at a time, and, and we'll be able to get our points across. Most people think that's extremely relevant, and why, that's why they have a, a system of electoral uh, representation. Uh, which allows for that kind of choice, just how far do you go between the, the blacks and the whites that you so cleverly expound. And it seems to me you haven't been able to find that point. Oh, but someday you will, and I hope you do, because we do need your talents and we do need your voice. But right now, it's just a little bit too black and too white. Unbelievable, eh, Robert? I, I, what, what a discussion. It was a great discussion for so many reasons, the arguments that were presented, the non-sequiturs, the ad hominem attacks. You know, uh, Laura Schlesinger once said, uh, when you're the victim of the behavior, it's black and white. When you're the perpetrator, there are a million shades of gray. <laughs> and that appears in the front cover of actually Freedom Party's 2007 election platform. Y you know, I find it fascinating to hear all of this stuff. You know, individuals... He Orlando described them as groups, homeowners, you know, uh, people who are retired, as though that makes somebody different. You can be a homeowner and be retired at the same time. Does that make you two individuals? <laughs> Does that make you two groups? And you talk about emotional, emotional needs. So closing city lights will help the emotional needs. I think Merck said it, it right was, when he said, so Orlando, you have no point to make. He didn't. Absolutely. And, and, it, and it became, well, he did have a point. And the, but the point is, when people get that irrational... When, they, when, when the arguments sound so bizarre. I mean, can you imagine a conservative talking about uh, wide-open, free-enterprise, jungle warfare society? Radicalism. That's yes. completely communistic thinking, yeah. right to the core. But that is com uh, conservatism. Yeah, and that's, that's what we've been saying. So, you know, there was so much said there, and so much that we'll have to say about that in the future. I guess the, the, the big conclusion we can draw from all this is that when it comes to politics... Business is no different than labor. They all want the same kinds of protection from government. You know, they want business competition, you know, protect me from that, just like labor wants to be protected from labor competition. And the politicians play to both sides against the middle class. That's how we lose the war, is the middle class. And that's why the middle class is losing. So there was just a microcosm on this 20th anniversary of Sunday shopping in Ontario. And if you want to find out... <laughs> What the Freedom Party, Mark Emery, did more in more specific detail, go to um, freedomparty.on.ca and look for especially for the Freedom Flyer publications numbers 10 and 13, which uh, went into detail about all of the campaign against, uh, which, which brought Sunday shopping to this province. Also, you can go to our website at justratemedia.org, and at some point in the future, we will be making the entire entire hour-long debate. Yeah, that's just, this was just a part of it. Yeah, this is it just got, a, it got yeah. even better. But we the didn't, entire hour-long debate will be, be made available, and we will put a notice on our website for that. So justratemedia.org. Okay, that's it. Got to go again. So join us again next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction, as always. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here 
We'll see you then. Free Mark. Color into black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be I went to one of those police auctions Where they sell everything they confiscate from criminals It was really cool For $200 I got a kilo of coke and a kidnapped girl <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>